0: This is Alex. I'm
1: from Boston.
0: Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chels. Hello, and welcome back to the Premier Chels. Today, I'm joined by Alex because Rahul cannot stomach another defeat. But it's a good thing to have Alex here. He's got some views, maybe controversial. I don't know. We'll find out today. Alex, welcome back. How have you been?
1: Good, good. I've
0: I've been doing well. A little better than Chelsea on the pitch lately. I think everybody's doing better than Chelsea on the pitch lately, I must say. But look, it's good to have you back. I know we've been, you know, texting back and forth. You've got some opinions, but let's talk about Dortmund because in all the Premier League things that are going on, all the transfers we're signing. It seems like the Champions League was something that would be a distraction. And Chelsea played well for the most part, but don't seem to get the results at the end of the day. But let me run through the starting 11 and we'll bring you in for some opinions here. Uh, Kepa and goal, Ben Chilwell back in the starting 11. I think a lot of Chelsea fans were calling for that. KK Silva forming that you know defensive partnership. Reese James back at right back. Great to have him in two games consecutively. We've got a pivot of Enzo Fernandez and Loftus Cheek. Remember that name because I want to talk about him a three behind them of uh, Mudrik, Felix, and Ziyech. And Kai Havertz, who seems to be the only logical striker Then I say logical because we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But what do you make of the starting eleven, Alex?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good lineup. Let's be real. It's a good lineup. And and you can debate all you want about the, the choice of defenders or their choice of midfielders or a choice of attackers. But at the end of the day, these are all top-quality players. We put out a strong squad and... I do think that reflected in terms of how we played. We certainly didn't mm-hmm. play with any fear. Um and I think I think Potter set up the team in a way that was reasonable from a fans point of view and from a performance point of view.
0: So discussing the first 11 Alex, I mean lots of fans excited to see Ben Chilwell. I think I've got Rahul's take on this, I've given my take on this. How do you feel about Cucurella overall? Not just because Ben Chilwell came back into this game, but Kukurea as a Chelsea signing and his journey so far in a Chelsea shirt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen him have some moments of excitement towards the beginning, I would mm. say, of his spell with us. Um, certainly, he seemed to bring a bit of a bit of pace and electricity down that side, especially when we were coping with Chilwell being injured. Um, it was nice having someone who sort of naturally slotted in there, but I think, as a lot of Chelsea fans have felt over recent weeks, his performances haven't all been there. I mean, he's not maybe defensively a a stalwart defender. And definitely, I thought, even during his cameo during this Dortmund game, his crosses weren't really seeming to connect. He just looks a little bit out of touch and just not quite operating at the peak of his game. But to be honest, it's not the kind of thing that I'm freaking out over because I think we know he has quality. We know he can do it in the prem. We know he brings good attributes to the team when he's on form. And it's one of those that, look, I mean, Chilwell's now, cross our fingers, going to be fit again for the foreseeable future. And hopefully we can just say, look, these two quality left backs are going to provide each other some competition and hopefully each raise each other's game so I'm not going to cry about him too much but definitely not quite up to the standard that I think we would be hoping
0: listen a very refreshing take on Kukurea because a lot of Chelsea fans have been extremely negative and I think similar to you that Kukurea needs a little bit of time maybe he's going through some stuff that's off the pitch that we've heard about so good to have Ben Chilwell back it's a it's a noticeable difference at this point in time so I'm just going to you know, be happy about that to start. And hopefully Kukurea can find his feet in a Chelsea shirt. But another one in the back line that I want to talk about is Koulibaly. He came with a lot of expectations, Alex, and he was the number 26. He was coming in to replace Antonio Rudiger. He's a fantastic center back that played in Italy for many years. It hasn't quite worked out so far. In fact, to the last few games, he's lost the starting 11 lineup in the Premier League at the very least to Badia Shield. Shield, unfortunately, doesn't make the Champions League squad, but Kutabali has a good game. Do you think the Champions League, at least for now, is a good way for him to kind of wet his feet and get back into the Chelsea eleven?
1: Yeah, I think it, it is good. And he's another one that, even though you could maybe pinpoint a few performances and say, oh, this isn't quite what we want from a defender who we've paid for, who we've brought in, he's a big name. At the end of the day, we know his quality um, he was one of the hottest names on the market just a couple of years ago. Um, and he's hopefully again, knock on wood here, but maybe taking after, uh, our very own Tiago Silva, who everyone loves, who has prolonged his career. And I think Koulibaly has a good several years more in him to hopefully be at the top level in world football. And so I'm not going to be too concerned with, with a little rough patch here and there, especially because as you said, put out a strong performance yep I mean he could well be arguably he's the name that the biggest name that that should be right on that starting starting list and he put out a performance I think against orman that showed you know what he obviously has still got it not that that was ever really in question it was a question of form um, but I like it and I, I I know Potter has also been rotating a lot and yep. we haven't seen consistent lineups. But with the number of players we have, the new players coming in, the old veterans, the the signings, it's good to be rotating, and I'm glad he's getting minutes.
0: Look, I think Thiago Silva is somebody that's absolutely fantastic, and he's at the age of 38, maybe going to 39 for his final year of the contract. Maybe he gets extension, maybe he doesn't after this, which is brilliant. But I think what you said is brilliant about Kudibali is at some point he can become that Thiago Silva type player where. Chelsea's defense is relatively young, Alex. We've got James, Chilwell, Badia Fofana, Chaloba. At some point, while they're all under the age of 25, you need a senior player that has that experience and that mindset that says, we're struggling right now, calm down, or here's how to do something in a tough moment. And while we want it to be Silva forever, realistically, that's not going to be the case. And so if Kudabali can, I hate to say this, but learn from Silva and say, I'm the age of 31, 32, but is 38, 39. How do I prolong myself to that point? And I'm not saying he's going to be here till 39, but at the very least, prolong his three, four-year contract that he has left with us and say, I can guide some of these young guys for Chelsea and and bring in the next generation of fantastic defenders. I think I'm one of those that I know he's not had a great start to his Chelsea career, but hopefully with the time and next season, he can be one that kind of kicks off from there. I've had a lot of feedback from Rahul and and many Chelsea fans about Enzo Fernandez. How has been your reception to Enzo so far? I think he's played two, three games so far, and he's looking good, but I want to get your feedback on him.
1: Oh, I think think he's fantastic, to be honest. Um, He was one of those players who I know he'd been hyped up. He'd had that great World Cup run. Right. He was hot property on the transfer market. It was saying he wouldn't be sold, but... Ultimately, I watched his first game for us, and I, I said, you know what? I'm going to watch this guy. I feel like he's maybe being a little overhyped by the fans of the media. I hadn't sat down and took a look at him, and I just saw him play a few passes, and I was like, okay, I think <laughs> this is the real deal. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were quick to pinpoint, which I'm sure we're going to get to in the Dortmund game, how he, he did kind of get burned for pace on the counterattack. But... That's not something that worries me, frankly, in the slightest, because that's not really his job. I see him almost more as a, a Fabregas-type playmaker mm-hmm. than a, okay, he's just going to get stuck in and be our be our next golo Conte, tracking back every every run that comes through the defense. So even if he is sitting in front of the defense a little bit and directing the flow of play, I think he's more forward-thinking than Jorginho, and I say that as a big Jorginho fan but he does seem to be always looking to pick out that pass over the top to switch the play with a diagonal. Whereas sometimes people got frustrated seeing Jorginho go side to side a little bit. Um, And I I love what I see from him. I think he's got great technique. He's young, he's fiery, he's passionate. He's already, I mean, he provided a a great assist to Felix um, the other day. I really like what I see from Enzo and, the haters can laugh at his price tag. They can get upset if he doesn't, you know, become the best center defensive mid in the world. I mean, he's not going to be a Makalele, I don't think. That's no. just not his role. Right. Um, but I love seeing him pulling the strings. And even even in some of these matches I've watched him, he'll be dropping back almost to the level of our center backs, sort of directing the flow of the play Uh in a way, very similar to what I think Jorginho has done in his absolute prime for us at Chelsea of just dictating the tempo. And I love it. So I'm a big Enzo fan thus far. And fingers crossed, he keeps putting on good performances because he also could have had a goal, if not for some very nice goalkeeping uh, in this Dortmund match.
0: Alex, I love the passion behind Enzo Fernandez' description that I can actually hear it. And I think I have to agree with you overall. I think he's been brilliant. And to the goal we conceded, I can't fault him so much because With all due respect to Jorginho, I think that race would have been a little bit further if Jorginho was the last man standing back. So maybe it's a tactical thing, so we'll leave it there. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Alex, he's another player that's come through the ranks. He's had maybe one good season with Sari, had an unfortunate injury, and he very much splits Chelsea fans right down the middle where some absolutely think Ruben Loftus-Cheek has a part to play with Chelsea while others cannot stand him. I think he plays a part with Chelsea, maybe not forever, but at least for this season, but he's done well in the last game and in the Dortmund game as well. I want to get your opinion, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I know when Rahul and I were talking, he's one of the ones we would potentially sell in the summer to allow Conor Gallagher to stay because we've got a pretty big squad, but Ruben Loftus-Cheek overall performance in the game. And then maybe would you sell him in the summer?
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good. And It's easy to say when you look at a team like Chelsea, oh, we want the absolute best talent in every position, in every starting lineup. But you forget how many games a season Mm -hmm. a top team is playing. You forget about the injuries that occur. I mean, it's all well and good to say, splash all your money on the first 11, but a few injuries and suddenly you're praying that you have enough squad depth to put out a strong lineup. So in my opinion, if Loftus-Cheek himself is okay being a sort of rotational bench player and having that role for Chelsea. I 100% see him as a Chelsea quality bench player because I think he can come on and freshen up a game. He is physical enough to defend when it's called upon, but he's also got enough trickery in his dribbling and he's got a good pass in him now. And then I think he brings a very good balance to the midfield that we need when we're going to, I don't even know how many games in competition after competition and we're facing injuries and tough schedules and the Prem is a physical demanding league. Mm. He's one of those that, sure, if we sell him and we get enough money for him, that's great. I mean, if we got a, I I don't think we're going to get a Gallagher level 50 million bid for him, but sure. Okay. If he makes us some money, that's fine. But I'm not rushing to shove him out the door because he's a Premier League proven player who probably shouldn't be in the starting lineup every week, but very few managers wouldn't want him on their bench at the very least because he does just bring that extra sort of physicality, that
0: extra edge, that extra energy in midfield. Yeah, and look, he's one that's played under Sari. I think he played a little bit under Lampard. He's played under Thomas Tuchel, and now he's playing under Potter. So clearly all of these managers see something in Lofts' cheek, and not to mention... Alex, he's played at center back, right back, right wing back, midfield, sometimes in the attacking three. So he's one of those players that's pretty versatile. And if he's, like you said, if he's happy to sit on the bench and, and play a part when called upon, I don't see why not. But again, at some point, Chelsea has to reduce the bloat of the squad that we have. But maybe not him. Maybe we'll look at other areas. I want to come to the front three or front four. We'll talk about Kai Havertz towards the end of this. But Jao Felix, I think, has been absolutely phenomenal. And I'll give you my quick take before I get yours. He, he was one that I was on the fence with nine, 10 million loan. Is he coming here and he's not going to do so much, but in the little bit, I've seen him, Alex, I think I'm finally on the train of Chelsea should sign this boy, but I'd love to get your opinion on him as well.
1: Yeah. I think he's someone who, before I saw him play for us, I would not have naturally said that's a premier league type player. Right. I mean, that's a Chelsea type player. I almost think of him more as a Kai Havertz where he doesn't necessarily have a defined best position. Mm -hmm. He's played a little bit across the front at Atletico. He could sort of play in that cam role. Maybe he could be a striker of sorts, a false nine. Um, He's the kind of player who I think might be a risky signing for some where you're like, will he fit into the system? But from what we've seen, he's hungry. He's looking to be enjoying himself outside of the, uh, dare I say, terrorist ball that Simeone (laughs) likes to play. Um, So, I, I'm loving what I'm seeing. And to be honest, with Chelsea already splashing so much money, um, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm fine with them splashing money on players the likes of, say, a, a Mudrick who is not necessarily as proven a talent as Felix. Um, if you're going to spend that amount of money on a uh, on a Mudrick, I think it's totally justified to spend that on someone like Joao Felix. And it's looking like Chelsea may be able to send a player to the other way in order to lower the fee. So in my opinion, that's a no brainer. Um, I would never have predicted it props to the Chelsea scouting and, and uh, recruiting departments for finding that, finding that possibility and bringing him in, because that's one that on the surface, you could have said, that's really dumb it's a short term loan he's never played in the prem his play style doesn't suit us his wages are going to be huge on paper that that might never have worked that's the kind of thing you'd expect in like fifa like like yeah. when you get too far in your fifa career mode and it starts simulating <laughs> random transfers it'll say joao felix signs for chelsea on a loan but it's worked out i think the the board has shown that they know what they're doing at least in that respect and i want to bring him i if, I will be the first one to get his name on a shirt if he signs permanently.
0: Look, I love that you said that because not only is it a FIFA simulation, but now we're actually going to start buying his shirts to fund the transfer because Rahul said the same thing. So here we are. We're going to move forward with those. I'm going to skip over Hakim Ziyech and Mudrik because I think they had okay games. Alex, I want to talk about Kai Havertz. I feel like he's the odd man out at this point in this formation. He's not necessarily a striker, but he's kind of filling that role. He's not able to kind of fill the, the central attacking midfielder role. What are you making of Kai Havertz? Are we going to be able to keep him next season? Is he is he doing enough to be on your starting 11?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I think if we had a more prolific striker, if we had an Erling Holland, Harry Kane, big name, proven goal scorer, who, who bags 20 a season in the prem with ease, I think he would absolutely not be in the starting lineup. Um, And it's not that I don't think he's quality. I think that, as you said, maybe he's the odd man out in a sense in, in Chelsea's system, um, just in how we're playing at the moment. And it's tough because I like him. I like the passion he brings. We've got to respect. Of course, everyone always talks about, Oh, he's living off this one champions league goal, but Hey, he won us the champions league. He's, shown a lot of passion for the badge the club. I love the fact that he brings that that fighting edge because quite frankly when when things get a little heated on a football pitch, you need to know you have a couple players in your squad who will go up and just shove the other player. That's <laughs> you need it or else you're just you're just pushovers. Yep. And he is someone who I can always count on to get involved in a little feud. So I think he brings the right mentality. I think he brings we know he has skill at the end of the day. Some some love stories just don't work out, and if we end up needing to cash in on him in order to f- further fund uh, more strategic purchases under Bowley, I would be really sad to see him go. But I couldn't complain. But you know, for a little while longer, I will live in fantasy land and say that you know what, his time is coming. He's still young. He's talented. He's scored big goals for us before. And once he starts bagging, the goals are going to start flowing. So I'll keep I'll keep holding on to that hope, and we'll just have to see and, and hope he really starts uh, performing.
0: I love that you said that Kai Havertz isn't shy to put on the boxing gloves in some of these games because I think as Chelsea fans, we want some of these players that have passion. Although he's not necessarily scoring goals or contributing, but if he can be aggressive, maybe as he finds his place on the bench, similar to Mount we'll find a way to figure out what to do with Kai Havertz in the long term but overall i think a, a good starting 11 like you said alex and we're playing dortmund who while they're a, an exciting squad and they've got a lot of good things going for them they had i think 5 or 6 games on the on the bounce with the win doing well on paper chelsea should be winning this game and i and i say that very carefully because on paper we should be winning a lot of games, but I'm just going to run through the stats very quickly. I think it's difficult to talk about every single moment that happened. And we'll talk about a few in, in a minute here, but Chelsea had 21 shots, but only eight on target. And and I want you to keep that in mind, because I'm going to come back to you with a quick question. Possessions about 53 why They had 47. We strung together 480 passes and a pass accuracy of about 86%. So, our dear mate couldn't be on here to talk with us, Rahul, but he sent over a question and I'll, and I'll rephrase it a little bit with with all due respect. He says, does some of the, the finishing or lack of finishing fall on Graham Potter? Who do you think has the bigger aubergine? Sorry, that was a horrible pun. Do you think he's regretting leaving Obama Yang out of the Champions League squad? So I think it goes hand in hand. Is it is it down to Graham Potter and his tactics? Is it a bad move to leave Obama Yang out of the squad because he's the only natural number nine other than maybe Fofana, that we have in the squad.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can blame Potter too much for leaving him out because we have a big squad. We have a lot of talent. I mean, as I said, Kai Havertz literally won us the Champions League with a goal. It's not like we don't have the players to provide an attacking threat. And as we saw in this game, as you said, the shots were there. I mean, even even if not all of them were on target, there were some that I mean, some of those ones that won't have counted on target were, for example, Felix off the crossbar, I believe twice. I mean, we're we're looking at goals that we should be putting in the net that unfortunately just we're not getting quite that stroke of luck. But I'm not going to read too deeply into it because it's not as if Aubameyang has has impressed every time he's been on the pitch for us. I mean there've there have been quite a few games that. And actually, in fairness, he has not necessarily gotten a lot of minutes, but it's not like he's been tearing it up. Um, and so at the end of the day, sacrifices are going to need to be made. I think you have to look at a lot of things before you say, yeah, maybe Abamyang is the missing link and we'd be winning all these games if it was for him. I think we have we have more issues we want to solve before that because if you put a chance on a plate between Haberts and Abamyang. Yes, maybe Aubameyang has the goal scoring record, but on form, on how they've performed for Chelsea, I just don't necessarily think we're any better off.
0: No, I think that's some a, a fair argument. And overall, Alex, I think Chelsea Football Club, as well as Graham Potter, are trying to move away from Aubameyang. I think it was a transfer honestly meant for Thomas Tuchel. And that's maybe where we criticize the ownership a little bit was... They brought in a player for Thomas Tuchel. Unfortunately, he only got to play one or, one or even half a game under Thomas Tuchel, and then they part ways. So I think Potter is doing what he needs to do to maybe sever ties and say, look, it's time whether you move to LAFC, which is is a move that's been touted for a while here, or in the summertime, it's not going to work out for us either way, and you're going to move on. But I spoke a little bit about Graham Potter. We said Ruben Lassochik divides Chelsea fans. Kukurea divides Chelsea fans. Mason Mount divides Chelsea fans. But none more so than Graham Potter. I think at this point, Alex, he's like a 80-20 split where I've seen enough online where about 80% of Chelsea fans seem to want him out, and, th- and that's not a stat. Don't quote me. It's just just what I've seen so far. And about 20% are willing to give him the time to do what he needs to do. Rahul's given me his opinion. I've given some opinions on Graham Potter. We haven't had the best, best success underneath him so far. What is your opinion on Graham Potter overall, not just in the Dortmund game, and maybe how you felt about the Dortmund game, and if you're seeing progression with him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously we all wish the results were a little better. But then you have to look and say, well, some of these things were such fine margins that, you know, if I believe, was it Suchek, who had essentially a goalkeeper's handball that prevented Chelsea, say, from from winning that game, um, you've then got Joao Felix, just unlucky off the crossbar. Um, You've got a goal line clearance on Koulibaly's shot. I mean, it's such a game of fine margins that I don't like defining it by results. And as you said, maybe then you need to look at whether you've played well, whether you feel you're improving, whether you feel he's the right manager for the squad. I think Potter's good. I think he's undoubtedly good. We know he's proven in the Prem. He's put in a really good shift with Brighton um, with far fewer resources than he's had at Chelsea. At the end of the day, I think from a persona standpoint, it's the kind of thing where maybe you want a slightly bigger name manager um, to be taking control of all these stars, uh, both current stars and young talented prospects. But I hesitate to think that I know better than the Chelsea board and the Chelsea analysts at this moment in time, because I will say it is very easy for me and in my heart of hearts to say, I want Jose back. <laughs> I want to, I want to go round three with the special one. One last dance, bring Jose Mourinho into this club, let him cook with the full resources at his disposal. Give him the super team give him the Todd father's spending budget. And you know what? We might crash and burn and not be ourselves for 10 years. Once he inevitably falls out with the board and goes (laughs) off in a screaming match, but we will have the best five years in Chelsea football clubs history. Um, You know, bring him in, bring Jose into the club, give him all these weapons and then just let him shit house his way to (laughs) one nil win after one nil win after one nil win and piss off every single other manager in the world. I would love that. But from a perspective of pure practicality, I think it would not be smart for the ownership to come in with a new manager and all these new players and then immediately start chucking pieces out the door if things aren't instantly amazing. So as as my dad calls him, uh, Graham Potter for now, is the mesh one, not the special (laughs) one. Um, But we might just have to stick with the mesh one for now because at the end of the day, I don't think we're doing a good thing for the club or for the players if we start putting more turmoil into an already very intense, turbulent
0: period for this rebuild. Alex, we've missed your presence on the podcast because I think that was a brilliant... Vision of yours to bring the third and final dance with the special one back. I I don't know if he would come back at this point or not, but that's a very very interesting take, especially if things don't work out with the, I saw, the, the I saw one.
1: somewhere supposedly supposedly I saw that he was interested if there was a vacancy available. His agents had reached out because I think things things aren't going super well, and he doesn't like the lack of backing that he's getting at Roma. So you didn't you didn't hear it here, but. He may be on the market
0: soon. Who knows? So we'll see if next season that the the meschel one doesn't work out, and we'll kind of figure out with with Jose Mourinho if he wants to come back for the third dance. And I think it's a fair criticism, Alex, because Graham Potter. While we are going to give him time, not because you I want him to have that, and Chelsea fans across the maybe twentieth percentile want him to have that. I think ultimately the ownership have come out and said we're going to give him years not results and so Graham Pottson might have a 30% success rate at this point in time but he's going to be there and get maybe another full season at the very least to do what he needs to do but hey you never know if things don't go well next season I would not be the one to want to test the Todd father and, and Baydad to figure out if they're going to keep him around that long but stranger things have happened as Chelsea fans question for you and this is just hypothetical tomorrow morning Manchester City get relegated. Pep Guardiola is on the market. Are you bringing Pep bring Guardiola? In. Bring him in right now.
1: <laughs> let me let me quote my friend my friend go. Ferdinand. Get the contract out. Let him write whatever numbers he wants on it. Get that man to Chelsea at all costs. I would personally, I would personally fly to England and massage Pep's bald head <laughs> all the way to Stamford Bridge to bring that man into the gaffer's dugout. I I'm telling you right now all costs, anything, I don't care. I'd sell Christian Pulisic right now. I'd give him
0: all his wages. You you, you heard it here first. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We need Pep. We need Pep. That is absolutely brilliant. I think that's going to be... I'm going to end the Dortmund segment here because I can't go further than that. Ultimately, if you're a listener, we lost to Dortmund. Not a horrible performance. We bring that back to Stanford Region in a few weeks, but we'll figure out that next. But if you're Alex, you're bringing in Pep Guardiola's Chelsea, and, and that's the new change there. Alex, let's move on and talk about Southampton. The last time we played Southampton was back in August, and unfortunately, we lost that game 2-1. Thomas Tuchel was in charge, and now we're coming back to do a, a, a redo. Southampton have the chance to actually do the double against us in a very, very long time. Fortunately for us, I don't know if we want to say that on this podcast, they're actually bottom of the Premier League, They're struggling. They fired their manager. Lots of things that are going on. How do you see this one going overall for Chelsea?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to say, and maybe it's easy to look at current or recent results and say, we don't know what's going to happen. Chelsea might bottle it. But I'd like to say that we've played well enough and we've shown enough promise and attacking capability. Certainly, I think especially in the first half of some of these recent games against Dortmund, we created chances and we're definitely the more dangerous team despite being away from home. I'd like to say that our luck is finally going to catch up with us in a good way. And some of these, these half calls are going to go our way. The goals that weren't going in are going to go in. I'd like to see a good performance and a win. It could be one goal. I don't really care. Um, but I think hopefully hopefully, uh, knock on wood, it is it is time for our fortunes to turn around here because we've got the pieces. We've got the pieces. The pieces just need to click, and I think hopefully we see the start of that.
0: Listen, if there's any time to turn fortunes, I think this would be the game that it needs to happen in. Southampton have only kept one clean sheet in their last 28 games, Alex, and that was a 1-0 win against Bour- Bournemouth I, in October.
1: I don't even like that stat because the most <laughs> Chelsea thing ever would be to make it 2-29. in 29. But but that stat actually doesn't encourage me because Chelsea, Chelsea is a team that sees records like that and says,
0: how can we break that streak? <laughs> well, now I'm disappointed I shared that stat with you. But look, listen, they're bottom of the league. We are coming off an encouraging performance. I know we didn't talk so much about the performance at Dortmund, but we played well. We didn't necessarily get the win, but it looks like, at least to me, that things are working towards the right direction. We're not scoring, but you know, if I look back at some of the stats, Alex, under Tuchel, we weren't scoring that many goals either. We've been missing that striker that we just discussed, maybe somebody who can bury it. And maybe some of these flair players that have come in, the Mudriks, the Maruekes, the Zhao Felix, need a little bit of time to make this work where they can actually bury the goals. And look, I know you said you'd sell Christian Pulisic for Pep, but Christian Pulisic's coming back. Raheem Sterling's coming back. Not necessarily for this game, but everything's looking up. Let's talk about a starting 11 against Southampton. I think Kepa at this point is really the only logical choice. Is Reese James going to get the third game at right back? Maybe, maybe not. I think
1: I think that's the logical way to go. Um, I think we just need to be putting out strong lineups and seeing what happens. Um, yeah, you, you don't want to be changing things around too much. And, and we know Reese, we know his quality. We've got to get him cooking again, because he's one of the best, one of the best defenders, best right backs in the world when he's on form.
0: No, look, we've missed him. And and the last two games are evidence of him actually working his way back into fitness. I know he's a little bit reserved, but I'll take that all day long. Ben Shilwell played about 60, 65 odd minutes against Dortmund. Do you think he can start this game? Yeah, I think
1: hopefully he does. Again, it's it's a situation where I know we've had our issues with the medical department, rushing some players back maybe and re-injuries, but hopefully we've just got to trust that at this point they know what they're doing. If he's fully ready to go and they give him the all-clear, I think we start him. I think we just start our strongest team and try to get this result.
0: Listen, I absolutely love Ben Chilwell in the Dortmund game. I saw his confidence of him actually screaming at Fernandez, wanting the ball, looking for a pass. And I think that's the big difference right now between him and Kukureya is Ben Chilwell is just very, very confident in himself. Center back pairing. I think Silva picks himself. Alex at 38, 39. He doesn't care. He's going to play every game. Are you going to bring Badia Shil back into the lineup?
1: Yeah, that's actually maybe a tough one because he's been performing very well, but Koulibaly had a good game. That's one I, I almost, I hesitate to say, it, but I really don't care. You could flip a coin, and I think hopefully next to Silva, either of those guys will look good and have a solid
0: performance. Okay, let's go with Badia Shield. I think Potter has a, a difficult time maybe keeping everybody happy, so he's going to kind of balance it out. Midfield pivot, I think Enzo Fernandez picks himself. Rahul actually said Enzo Fernandez can play both positions. I know he's joking. Are you going to go with Ruben his cheek by him, or is Conor Gallagher going to come back into the mix? Or... Is it time to see Kovacic? Yeah, it's, is Kovacic fit at the moment? He is back and fit, but he's not played a lot of football. So it's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean, realistically,
1: realistically, they won't rush Kovacic back in. He'd probably start with a substitute appearance. Now, if he's fully fit, to be honest, a Kovacic <laughs> and Enzo pivot, I think, could really do some damage. And I would love to see that. But yeah, you, you don't want to be rushing him. Um yeah. I think few people after seeing the Dortmund game would complain if Loftus-Chi got another run out, so maybe I'll go with that. Um, But yeah, good. regardless of who plays there, I do want to see Kovacic hopefully get a couple substitute minutes because he is a weapon that we kind of forget about. Um, He goes under the radar sometimes, but he's so smooth on the ball and
0: links that midfield up really nicely. Uh, And this is the difficulty of being a Chelsea manager at this point in time because we've actually got... Dennis Zakaria coming back from, from injury as well. So there's going to be a difficult choice for Potter. But let's stick with Loftus-Cheek and Fernandez, and those two might get to a run-in from, from the bench. But the three behind the striker, Alex, who do you see in there? Mudrik and Ziek. we didn't talk a lot about them. They had okay performances. Raheem Sterling is coming back into fitness. Madueke hasn't had a shout or hasn't had a chance. Mason Mount, we haven't talked about Mason Mount. What are your three that you're going with behind the striker? Oof, I mean... I don't know if it's,
1: it may not even be controversial to say this anymore. I don't really want Mason Mount starting that game. I think he's got to earn his place, same as any other player. I, I'm not too, I I think Ziesch, to be totally honest, as much as yes, maybe he was ready to be out the door in January. He's bringing, he does bring a danger that we don't have in other players with that left foot of his. He was pinging some really nice passes across the pitch against Dortmund. Um, I wouldn't be against giving him a run out, but at the same time, I do think Madueke is a promising, exciting player. I think he deserves a good shot. I would almost go with him on the right, Mudrik on the left, um, but wouldn't complain if Ziesh takes the right spot either. Um, and I know Mudrik hasn't necessarily been amazing in every game he's played, but we've seen some real flashes of brilliance. We have. We know his work ethic is there. We know his passion is there. He just wants to play the game and dominate. He He's always in the gym. We've seen the clips of him working hard, training extra, taking shots. Um, so I think when you see a player like that who's hungry and putting yep. in the effort, you've got to reward them and say, okay, even if you're not banging in goals every game or tearing it up every single game, we're going to give you the chances to show that you are uh, at the top level. So, man, I mean, Felix, Felix kind of picks himself there. But, but as for the other two, maybe you just repeat the Ziyech and Modric. But yep. I want to see, I want to see um, a substitute appearance for sure.
0: Yeah. and Look, and I think you said it right. Felix is in such red hot form, and, and dare I say, maybe our best player behind. Thiago Silva at this point in time, so he picks himself. So it's going to be interesting. Let's talk about the Kai Havertz situation up top. It's a difficult one. I know what I would do, Alex, with Kai Havertz at this point in time. You've got Obama Yang, You've got Fofana. Lots of Chelsea fans calling for change. Your are Graham Potter. Who are you going with to lead the line against Southampton? Mm. Uh,
1: I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I'm putting Havertz out there. I okay. think... I think it's it's that kind of game where and you don't want to say it hinges on this game but as you said they haven't kept a clean sheet they've kept one clean sheet in 28 games southampton yeah. here if you're telling me kai havertz isn't going to be able to get a goal in these kinds of fixtures and i'm not saying we have to pack him up and and send him back to germany if he doesn't <laughs> score but it's the kind of thing where I wouldn't take him out of a game that I think he has a good chance of scoring in because confidence is also important for an attacker. So at this point, even though it might displease some Chelsea fans might displease a or Fafana, I think you just stick it out and you say, okay, Kai, you're going against a defense. That's not super great. We're going to put a strong lineup out there. Try and see what you can do. Um, Because at the end of the day, either he's got to start scoring or we're going to have to figure out a backup plan. But I wouldn't take him out in a game like this where his quality should be enough to help us win this match.
0: No, look, and we've already talked about it looks like on paper, Potter's asking or maybe trying to encourage Obama Yang to look for a different challenge in the summertime. So that may be what he's looking at. So it's really going to be Havats or Fofana. At the very least, I hope Fofana gets maybe 15, 20 minutes to try and get himself warmed up to things because... Next season is going to be interesting as to whether he stays with us or goes on loan. But there you have it. That's going to be the first eleven. Alex, I'm going to push you here. They haven't kept a clean sheet in 28 games. You said Chelsea would break that record, but what's the score prediction from you on, on this game? Oh, um,
1: no, I feel like I'm always a little too optimistic, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a three-nil win for Chelsea. I think we've had enough games where things haven't quite gone our way, but the players are hungry. We've been showing pretty good attacking intent at times um, against a poor defense, bottom of the league. I think it's time to start putting those in. So I'm going with a 3-0 Chelsea win. Um, I don't know where the goals are coming from, and frankly, I don't care. It could be a Kepa goal kick, Tim Howard (laughs) style, that goes into the net. I don't care how we score, but I want
0: us to score, and I want Southampton not to score. Listen, if we get 3-0, I'm going to lose my mind on this particular game. But ultimately, I have to agree with you. I think this is, I hate to say it, but it's a turning point, Alex. It's a its a good game from Dortmund where we should have, could have, would have done something. So Southampton is that chance to actually do it. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. Hopefully, João Felix can get his finishing on target and go from there. And maybe, maybe Mudrik can show us what we paid all that money for. Again, no expectations. We'll figure it out there. But 2-0, wins all around. We'll be happy on Saturday morning. But before we wrap up the the episode today, Alex, I want to talk about the title and the Premier League in general. So I'm going to run through the starting, sorry, the top 20 in here and go through it. And we'll talk about the game that was the most important from the weekend. But Manchester City is sitting top of the league with 20, 30, sorry, 51 points. Arsenal in second with 51 points, but they have a game in hand. Manchester United in 46. Newcastle United in fourth with 41 points. At the bottom of the league, we just talked about Southampton with 15 points. Bournemouth with 18 and Everton with 18. But I want to focus at the top of the league. Arsenal have been holding on to number one spot for a long, long time. Manchester City played Arsenal this weekend. They went to the Emirates. Alex, they beat them 3-1. You have not been the biggest fan of Arsenal or Arteta. We've come on this podcast many times. And you said he's done a good job. You may have been you know, rushing to judge him. But what did you make of this result? And ultimately, I'm going to ask you a very, very tough question here. Can Arsenal come back and win the league?
1: No chance. No chance. <laughs> the Thomas Merchant is going to bottle the league. Pep Guardiola is going to say, all right, you had your fun. Daddy's home. You were my assistant for a reason, uh, and it's time. You know what? I hate seeing Manchester City steamroll the league like as much as the rest of them, but I I am going to savor the fact that Arsenal have crumbled. <laughs> They've shown once again why everyone thought they were back. No, congratulations, you've got a few ballers. I will say, props to my props to my ball knowledge. I called a few a couple seasons ago. I was making my ideal eleven. As soon as Odegaard came in, I said. Yeah. He is he is a talent and I really like him. He's been cooking for them, but the cooking isn't enough because Pep is here um and his he's going to steamroll Arsenal to the title and I am going to savor every second of them bottling this trophy.
0: <laughs> Look, it's going to be absolutely difficult but Manchester City were absolutely brilliant if you call it cooking and Arsenal are cooking, then Manchester City are out here with a flamethrower, because they are ready to burn this league to the ground and and come back from the top. And, and Alex, they usually do that in the new year, so it's going to be an exciting Premier League, and we'll see what happens. As Chelsea fans, we don't want Arsenal to take it, but if Manchester City come get it, it is what it is. Alex, I think that's the end of the segment here. Any wrapping up thoughts for Chelsea and going into the weekend? You know, not particularly. I I I just want to feel what it's like to have a win
1: again. <laughs> You know, I don't I, I, I would love to be able to come out of the weekend thinking, oh, that was a good game we played, because unfortunately, for a few weeks now, we have not had too much to celebrate. But at the very least, I think we're in a good place. I don't think we need to panic. You know what? Heaven forbid we go trophyless this season. We've got enough trophies from other years. We can survive. I mean, if if you call if you call Chelsea going this season without a trophy, a trophy drought, then. Tottenham have died of thirst. That's all I'm going to say. So uh I'm chilling right now. I'm gonna enjoy watching our young talents thrive, hopefully. Um,
0: and hopefully be back on talking with you about a nice performance and a win in a clean sheet. Alex, always great to have you back. The last time we finished 10th in the Premier League, the following season we went on to win the Premier League. So I'm gonna leave it at that because it's been a good time talking with you. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you for listening. Follow us on all podcast platforms or at the Premier Chels on social media. You can follow Alex as well at Pulisic FC 22 and always up the Chels. Bye. Hey guys, the Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code, TPCOFFEE15, to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.